Hey everybody, welcome back to the Half Hour of Power. I am Joe, and we have with us today special guest, Mark from the Toys of Time Gone By. Mark is the oh. man I go to for Motu News. Uh, how are you, Mark? I'm good today. How are you doing today? Everything is uh, peachy king over here. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. Thank you for coming on today. Oh, you're welcome. Um, Anytime. Today, we're going to talk about a Spanish Giallo movie. Uh, and this one, I never heard of it before, but of course, I've never heard of, I mean, you know, you know, you, you can't hear of every movie, right? So it was a fun movie to come across. It's always fun to come across that. I'm just watching that last night with some friends of mine, Mark being in... Bayonne, New Jersey, or some other town in Jersey. I don't know. <laughs> All the towns in Jersey run together to me. <laughs> yeah, it's like a toilet bowl, you know. It all goes down. Uh, uh, no, so it's a very nice uh, state. I've been there quite a few times. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, this is a movie, as you know, that. Yeah, Jesse and I would have watched and we would have done this show on this. So I'm very uh, happy that you chose to uh, watch this movie this afternoon, right? You, I mean, you just yeah. watched it like a few hours ago, right? Yeah, I just watched it uh, and I wanted to give my honest opinion about it. Uh, hey, I, hey, you know, have, that you way, know. you're supposed to lie to everybody. I mean, Jesse and I always lie on this mm. show. We never say mm. what we really think about movies. Oh man! <laughs> no, I, I jest. So yeah, we we always tell the hard hitting, honest truth. So we <laughs> that's why I asked you on. I don't want you to lie about the movie. But Giallo, uh, Mark, am mm -hmm. I say? Am I pronouncing that right? Um, I'm not. I, I have to. I have to yeah. look at the name. I have to look at the so, name. That is spelled G-I-A-L-L-O. Yeah, you said it sounds right. Italian. So I'm sorry if I profiled you by asking you how to pronounce an Italian <laughs> word. <laughs> oh, my God, I got profiled. <laughs> sorry. But anyway, um, you and I and Jesse have spoken about, uh, we've talked about a lot of giallos, and there's still a ton of giallos out there uh, and uh giallo so i'm just gonna say what that is for people who you know don't really know so it is a term that came to describe like mystery fiction thrillers mm -hmm. uh they were usually printed on yellow paper uh, so giallo is yellow in Italian, but you already knew that, right? So, um, I did actually, they were, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't admit that there are certain <laughs> cheap paperback mystery crime thrillers. Um, they were novels with yellow covers. They were cheap, uh, you know, kind of, kind of like the penny dreadfuls in the 1800s. Right. So that's, that's what they are. Um, so they that came over into movies, and a lot of this was made popular by, you know, Mario Bava, Dario Argento, Lucio Fulci, mm -hmm. 
Umberto Lindsay, all those guys. And Jesse and I have spoken about a lot of Giallos, and you've been on a couple of these shows. You're mm-hmm. talking about yeah. Giallo. Uh, so I found this one, and it was Spanish, and it's some consider it to be a Giallo, and some people say it's not. So I, I don't care if you want to say it's a Giallo. You know, mm-hmm. people, yeah, it's got a lot of the elements of a Giallo to me. So. Mm-hmm. I'm totally fine with people calling it a giallo. How about you? Totally fine. Totally fine with that. You can call it whatever you want, but don't call it late for dinner. So that, that you know. And you're right. There was a lot of dinner in this show. This movie. <laughs> there was quite a bit of. I mean, there was breakfast in it. You know, there there were those things. So this movie. And uh, I'm gonna name. I'm gonna. I'll. I'll say the title now because I just realized I probably didn't even say the title. <laughs> this is called "The Corruption of Chris Miller." Yeah, just let that sink in for a little bit. Corruption of Chris Miller. The corruption of Chris Miller. So, this. I mean, the first thing I'm flipping through Shutter. And just looking, what's new? The corruption of Chris Miller. What's that? Looked at the uh, description there. Okay, I'll watch that. <laughs> that came uh, so, up when I was born. Yeah, so 1973. It's mm-hmm. as I said, it's a Spanish film. It's uh, the the plot. The basic plot is abandoned by their husband and father, a traumatized woman. And her disturbed stepdaughter hire a drifter handyman at their secluded mm-hmm. estate while a series of murders begins. Bum, bum, bum. That's right. That's <laughs> right. That, that is basically what this is about. So I, I was looking at the director here. I don't think I've seen anything else this fellow has done, but I didn't. I don't think this was badly directed. I think it had a lot of nice cinematography done in it, a lot of nice shots in it. What do you think about that part, Mark? I just uh, it reminded me of pretty much a lot of the movies that they shot back then. You know, in the way they shot it. Yeah. You know, like you know, it's a seventies movie. You know, as you can see, it just it just looks like pretty much a lot of the seventies. I guess um, 70s, like sci-fi, not sci-fi, um, 70s, like horror movies back then, the way they shot it. Yeah. You know, kind of reminded yeah. me of that, too, you know? Yeah. So th- this was Juan Antonio Bardem, and I hope yeah. I said that right. I, I feel like I did, but you know, somebody else sent me a message about yeah, how that. Yeah, that sounds this. right. That but. sounds right. I think he did a pretty good job on this. And just looking through this list, I don't think I've seen any other of his movies. So maybe they'll I come up and watch them. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. But, I never uh, heard of them. Yeah. The, I, and also, regular listeners are waiting for this. I could not find this movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, man. So there. <laughs> There you, there you. <laughs> I did. It is on Letterbox, so a Letterboxed. Uh, Jesse and I have talking about that a little bit. Uh, you can find it on Letterbox, and you can find some uh, reviews on there. Uh, generally positive, from what I flipped through. Overall, for me, 
this could have been a better movie. Um, how about you, Mark? Um, I uh, it could have been it definitely could have been a better movie. I kind of like lost my way in the movie. I was yeah. not too sure which way it was going, so I kind of the plot kind of like uh, lost me. So yeah, it 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 did that to me too. And uh, the opening is fantastic. The opening, I, I loved yeah. it. I love the opening. Um, oh, so. the house and all that, and the house. And yeah, the so you got, uh, so the movie opens. There's yeah. a lady gets out of bed. Yeah, she's yelling at the guy downstairs. He is downstairs. He's out of bed already. She's upset at him. The guy shows up downstairs, dressed mm-hmm. like Charlie Chaplin. Oh yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> you remember that? And he's yep, trying. He's that. doing little, some little Chaplinisms. And, <laughs> the uh, dance. He does that, and she is paying him to get out of his her her house. So either they don't really say what he did there, but you kind of you know he she was using him for satisfaction of some kind. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, assuming the way she was upset with him not being in the bed, we can assume that satisfaction. Um, so, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but it's it's funny because she's throwing the money at him and he doesn't like it. He picks up a pair of scissors and yep, yep. stabs her hand through the desk. That was like unwarranted. I, I was like, what the heck? Um, that yeah, from? he killed he. He slaughters her, and the money's got blood all over it. And he finds the rest of her money, and his hands are covered in blood. And he picks it all up and stuffs it in his pockets and does a little Charlie Chaplin dance out of the house. <laughs> this, I thought, was a really cool scene here. When he gets outside, he rips off the Chaplin mask and throws it on the ground, and they got a nice shot of the Chaplin mask. Mm-hmm. That was a cool mask. I mean, it was a totally white mask. Just you yeah. know, had a wig on it, yeah, and uh, but that was a creepy, creepy mask. Um, what did you think about that? No, I, I, I thought it was a cool part. I mean, I, I kind of liked the little uh, Chaplin, uh, the the Chaplin, the way he dressed up as Chaplin, and that's that's just like. I know that was a pretty cool part, but it was like to me, it was like kind of unwarranted that he stabbed her in the, the hand. You know what I mean? I was like, "What? Where did that come from?" I guess it needed a little shock value, you know? Yeah, that might be. Um, and after that, the movie slows down quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, just a lot. That's when we get introduced to, um, what is her character's name? Ruth. We get introduced. That is played by Gene Seberg. Ruth Miller is her character's name, and Marisol plays Chris Miller. So she's a young adult, or how old? I don't remember if they said how old she was at this time. I I don't remember either. It's just she's young. 19, 20? Yeah, she's probably around there, late, late teens, late teens. Something like I'm, that. Something like that. I, I wasn't sure either. I didn't. I wasn't sure how old she was. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, 
And there's an uneasy uh, kind of thing going on there because Chris is sick. And Chris thinks that Ruth is, um, what, screening all her mail because she thinks her father, now, as I mm-hmm. said in the description, her father left them. They yeah, don't, yeah. don't really say why. You can kind of, you know, he's tired of them, I guess, tired of Ruth. I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, she thinks that Ruth is keeping letters and she, Ruth says, your father's never going to write you. You took me here and hid me. And Chris wants to be in the hospital to get better. But Ruth thinks that she would be better there. But you kind of find out as the movie goes that Ruth is angry at uh, the stepfather. Ruth is angry at her, her husband for leaving her, leaving her there with Marisol um, have you ever seen any other Marisol movies? I've never have. I'll be honest with you. This is the first movie I saw with, uh, I could have, but I just don't remember the first, you know what I'm saying? Like when you don't remember the I, face, she, too much. she is, she is Spanish. So, well, she probably did. Did she I, do a lot of Spanish movies? I, I, it, look, it looks that way to me. So she may have retired because her last credit acting credit rather on IMDb is uh, 1985. Yeah. Cause she was born in 48, 1948. Yeah. So maybe she retired, but uh, I'm just looking through there. I don't think I've seen any other ones either, but she was a uh, uh, popular star over there for a while um i thought the actor i I thought everybody in their roles were good in the movie Um, i mean i i reminded a lady in the beginning reminded me of uh i thought in the beginning i was like is that angie dickinson oh i was was really that was second who is that that is perla crystal yeah it kind of reminded me of her but then i realized it was yeah. Yeah, kind of. Uh, yeah, I, I can see that. So <laughs> so from from there once you re- once once they establish that those two have an uneasy relationship and Ruth has taken advantage of Chris in some <clears throat> very uh odd ways. It's like she's I don't know if she sexually assaults her or if Chris likes it. Um, you don't really see well, she, You mean like when she's kissing her? Yeah, I mean, she kisses her on the lips. And, you know, yeah. she doesn't really resist, but they don't show anything. So you don't no. really you don't really know if they did anything after that. But, you know, okay, so now we get the drifter, right? This oh, yeah, was yeah. so funny, this guy. So in in the beginning, you know, he's looking at a paper, and you know, he's it. It seemed to me that he was looking for that house on purpose, but you don't figure out why until the very end of the movie, and you find out that yeah, he really was looking for that house. Mm-hmm. So he decides to go into the barn, strip down nude, and hide under hay. I mean, he didn't really hide; but he was sleeping. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was raining really hard, so. Yeah. Why so, uh, down nude? I mean, he was nude. So, <laughs> so Ruth finds him in the barn, and she's like, "You get out of here, you! 
you vagabond, you you pervert. Yeah, and then happened? he stands up and he's like, yeah, check me out. You know, he's got hay clinging to his junk and everything. <laughs> you know, so of course she uh, says she doesn't like it, but later on she makes it with him and he likes it. Yeah, that. But yeah, that's that's the guy yeah, that's- uh, who gets to do all these odd jobs for her, but he's not really there for that. He's there for something else that we find out later. So, yes, I haven't said this yet. We try to say it at the beginning of the show, but we will give away spoilers. This is a movie from 1973, so. It's going back 49 years ago. Yeah, so you you can just take that as you want. You could tell it's not my age. So if 73, then you could tell what my age is. So I'm an old man. Ha-ha. I mean, you must really have an affinity for this movie or movies that came out in 73, don't you? I I must. I mean, hey, I'm, uh, you know, (laughs) gotta be. So, (laughs) yeah. So, um, but she ends up telling uh, the drifter, and his name is Barry, correct? Is that, yeah, his name is. He's played by Barry. The character's name is Barney. So I was half <laughs> right. So, yeah, so Barry Stokes plays Barney. I don't know what else he was in off the top of my head. Let me take a look. He was in Enemy Mine. What? Yeah. Really? Yep. Wow. He was in I know that. No. I didn't credit. know that. Uh oh. Oh no, he was in the Hawk and the Slayer. Let me see. What is that? I got to see it. What is that? Oh my god. I must have I had to have seen this. He was in the Hawk and the Slayer. So, with the aid of his companions, a man seeks to defeat his evil, evil brother who has taken a nun hostage. We got to watch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. So you heard it first. Right now, we're going to watch, Mark and I are going to watch The Hawk and the Slayer at some point. And uh, uh, cool. we're going to do a show on it. We definitely got to do watch that. It has to be somewhere we can watch that, maybe Tubi or uh, some someplace, you know. There's got to be. Okay, so we're going to do the Hawk and the Slayer at some point because he's in it. Jack Palance is in it. it just mm-hmm. you got you look that up after the show, Mark. Okay, right. so there's a couple of things that I and I have seen him in. There's something else called Prey that I uh, I've heard of that one, but I've not seen that one. Uh, so he's done a lot of TV work. A lot of, uh, yeah, like, uh, Intruder. He was in the Intruder. Um, he was in, there's one other one, uh, space 1999. Oh, wow. So, you know, he's, he's done a lot of things, but anyway, she tells him that. So Ruth tells Barney that she is going to get back at her husband by corrupting Chris. So she wants him to go and have his way with her. But when Chris is around, she tells him to go away. So, you know, she's playing this mind game and all of that fun stuff. Okay, so 
Do you want to talk about the horses, Mark? The horses. You you want to you want to? I, I will talk. You, you you talk about the horses. Okay, I'm, I'm I'm just kind of like we're gonna. Like yeah, I know what you mean. We're gonna we're gonna. So there's a lot of stuff that just is. It this movie meanders at this point. It doesn't really do much. Mm-hmm. Um, another title for this movie is Behind the Shutters. So you find out that they shut the shutters every night. I was just waiting to be able to say that phrase, shut the shutters. So you're welcome. (laughs) Um, And I guess that there's like one key for all of them. So because she describes a time when a caretaker got locked in there and couldn't get out and he starved to death. Like, really? Okay. Okay. So they shut those. Uh, So, of course, that gives Barney an idea for later, of course. Uh, but anyway, one of the neighbors has a uh, quite a few horses that I guess he, he raises and sells, rents. People can go over there and rent to ride, and that's where Chris goes. She goes over there and rides for a while. That's the first time that Barney sees her when she's riding back home. And, of course, do you remember what she was wearing, Mark? Was she wearing, uh, I don't think anything. She was wearing a see-through top. That's right. Yeah, like. uh, She's riding a horse through the countryside wearing a see-through top. (laughs) Okay, okay. Because I noticed that later on, uh, the other one was wearing the see-through. He sees her. He sees her riding the horse and, of course, bouncing up and down. As one does when they're riding a horse in her <laughs> see-through. So immediately, he's not thinking about chopping wood or doing other menial tasks anymore. Because he uses this as a pickup line later. Do you remember this? When he says, <clears throat> The first time I saw you, I wanted to make love to you. <laughs> that's a great pickup line. Uh, I guess you. I mean, that's a '70s pickup line. I guess you know. And you you heard oh, that? He was, from, uh, he, that? he was chopping wood. <laughs> he did chop wood in the movie. I can't remember exactly when, but he was chopping wood. Um, and he took oh, it. And oh, another pickup line was when he said to Rue, he says to her. I want to know if you were thinking what I was thinking the first time you saw me. <laughs> <laughs> what is he? Was he a gigolo? <laughs> uh, of course he was. Now, yeah. So, so we're not. Oh, so, we we can use those lines today. You can't use those today, can you? you can't, <laughs> just can't. So, if anybody tries those, they'll probably get smacked. So, there you go. If you want to get smacked, <laughs> go ahead and use those pickup lines. <laughs> Uh, it worked in the seventies, but I don't think that'll work anymore. Um, so there you go. So, (laughs) okay. So we've got all of that stuff established, right? So now we're going to get down to the part where there's a falling out. So Ruth has had it and says, you have to go. Barney kicks Barney out. She's got a pistol. She shoots at him, misses. And he leaves. You know, she threw him out in the middle of the night because this is the other bit. And we talked about this a little bit. We didn't go into it too much. Chris has these flashbacks 
Yeah. In the rain, whenever it's raining, she has these flashbacks, and it's a very odd flashback because we can't, the audience can't make head or tails of it. There is a weightlifter who's just really, I mean, he's pumping iron. Oh, yeah. He's going at it. And it freaks her out. So the only thing we can come, conclusion we can come to, this is what I thought was that either that guy was the father and he assaulted her and that's why he left. But that's not the case. That guy's not the father. Or that guy, you know, just saw her there in the gym and said, you know what, I'm an assaulter. And that's what he did. So you find out later on that that weightlifter accosted her in the shower and had his way with her in the shower while she was showering there. So it's at a gym and he got to the, where yeah. she's at. Okay. So she has these flashbacks and every time she has them, she freaks out and starts stabbing things. She just grabs something and starts stabbing it. Oh yeah. I was crazy. So I mean, it has some really nice stuff in it like that. Um, and then you have, Barney witnessed this at that moment, and that's when Ruth decides to kick him out. Well, then, it's yeah. odd how they put this part together. That's why I said I thought the direction was pretty good, but I think it's the script that isn't that good. Because the next scene after he leaves is it's still raining, and you see a guy put on a rain slicker. Puts the hood on. He's got some kind of a, a stocking on his head. Yeah, and, yeah. And that, like some kind of glasses, some kind of some kind of eye covering. He picks up a uh, what was that? A scythe or a sickle? It was a scythe. Yeah, he he got like he was he's like went to it like he was like a murderer. So like I just was like, yes. what is this? He's got pantyhose on his It was like. A whole separate movie happened in the middle of this movie because there's nothing that says there's any killings happening around that area. And it's a pretty secluded area. Yeah. They keep saying that. So is he the guy? Uh, he was the other guy with the mask. He breaks into the house. Well, he's not. He doesn't really break in. The little boy sees the guy outside and thinks it's a monk. So he tells his parents, oh, yes, let the monk in. And, of course, the parents don't go to check to see that it's a monk. So that's a lesson for all parents everywhere. If your little kid comes to you and says, mommy, daddy, there's a monk outside in the rain. Don't let him go in. And make sure it's a monk. Because well, it could it be a scythe-wielding guy. But is it the guy who was the guy who was, had the mask on? The Charlie Chaplin mask on? That's what we don't know yet. Yeah. Oh. Right? But I I think it's I think it has to be the same guy. Yeah. Give it all away. So <laughs> cause we're supposed to think that Barney is the guy in the Charlie Chaplin mask. Right? Uh, yeah, it's like I got a little confused. It's really confusing moment. because then you get to them and there's no talk of murders happening in the area. And I was just thinking that Barney is just some nut job who likes to go and take advantage of uh, secluded women and then kills them and robs them. So he, you but think he's not one of the same? Yeah, that's not what it is at all. 
Because that guy breaks into that house, kills everybody in that house, the grandparents, the parents, and the little boy. You don't see the little boy get killed, which is was nice. That's good to not see it. Um, but he does kill him. So there you, you have that. Um, so now everybody's freaking out because that looked like the first murder in that area because that's when everybody freaks out. Right? Isn't that what you got yeah. from it? It's Yeah, everybody's freaking out, you know, like. Yeah, so then Ruth tells Chris she thinks that Barney was the killer and that they got lucky because he left and didn't kill them. Well, of course, Barney isn't the killer. Barney was doing something else. Barney was actually going to their house for a reason. So he breaks back in there, locks up all the shutters, takes the key, takes the bullets out of her gun so she can't do anything, cuts the phone line, and starts looking for something because Ruth did tell him earlier that there was something there mm-hmm. that the husband yeah. couldn't find. I, rem- I I know what it is. Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's skip everything in between and just go straight to the end, so we can discuss why we don't think this was structured properly. Okay, so we're jumping down to the end here. Anyway, Ruth and Chris kill Barney, and they find out after they go through his luggage that he knew the father. He knew Ruth's husband. He knew Chris's father, and he was sent there. He was sent there to steal, and you find out that she had a bunch of jewels hidden in a clock. Yep. Okay, and then they think they killed the killer, but then they find out later in the day that after they didn't tell the police because I mean Barney did uh, assault Chris she wanted him to but (laughs) you know they could have just said self defense and he was assaulting her but they didn't do that so then you find out that the killer who killed the family with a scythe was the guy that owned all the horses you remember that yeah, like I, I, I thought I actually thought that it would have been one and the same with the guy, you know, who was the in the Trump chaplain mask. See, but that's the odd like a little bit twist, like a little crazy yeah, so twist. That guy. So, are we supposed to believe that the guy that they owned the horses got on the train and went to that area? Now, the other thing is, I don't really know where that woman's house is. But the but one thing. No- the only thing they got that she was murdered, that lady in the beginning, is they saw it in the paper. Ruth saw that in the paper, and that's about it. There was nothing. She didn't say anything about, oh, she lives like four miles down the road that way. Nothing. There was nothing like that. So it seemed like Barney could have done that. I, To me, I think Barney could have done it. Mm-hmm. But I think we're supposed. I think it's actually is supposed to be the guy that owned the horses that did it. So, this is where the movie falls apart for me. I, I don't think they wove the killer, the other killer, in as well as they could have. I think it would have been much more solid movie. And I didn't really mind that you had two different things going on like that, but I think they should have wove them in a little bit better. And I think that would have made this a better movie. Uh, what do you think, Mark? Well, I mean, 
Yeah, I it, the plot kind of lost me a bit here and there, and it could have they could have done a better job with this movie. The one thing I want to tell you though, when what I felt was the most like the most brutal part of the whole movie uh, that I felt was done very very well was when they were killing him. I looked at that and I just it was just when they were killing him it looked like they were really stabbing the guy like it just the, whoever did that made that special effect there and that makeup it was really to me it was really kind of a shocking and brutal thing they were doing to him it looked real yeah that was a that was a really good scene they put it they slowed it down um he was he had just made it with uh Chris. Yeah. So she Chris started stabbing him first and then he fell down the stairs and and um they all, uh, Ruth started in on stabbing him and they just basically stabbed him until he died. And then he knocked down the clock and that's where you saw the jewels. And that that's right, that's where you find the jewels. <laughs> But that was part was really like really fuck really really, yeah, so, really brutal. Yeah, this this movie I think it's uneven in that way. It's got that that really good stuff like that in there. The uh, rain slicker killer. Yeah, I mean it looks like uh, Kevin Williamson saw this movie and said, "You know what? I can do a little bit better with that." We had I know what you did last <clears throat> summer came out of that. Maybe looks like it to me. But uh, that's one of the best scenes. Yeah, uh, that is that is that was a really good scene. Yeah. Um. So, one something else that I found interesting to read about this movie was uh, Gene Seberg. Mm-hmm. Um. She. Uh, yeah, I think we said she was in Paint Your Wagon and stuff like that. She plays uh, Ruth. Mm-hmm. She died under mysterious circumstances. Well, where I read, uh, she um, she apparent it was an apparent suicide. Well, yeah, it, it says barbiturate overdose, but th- this says uh, she was found dead under mysterious circumstances. I, I guess everybody who dies of a drug overdose, it's mysterious circumstances. It's mysterious, right? There's so, no actual. But she had, uh, she was, she attracted the attention of the FBI in the 70s, right? Mm-hmm. So what's it say? Yeah, so uh, in the 60s, she became involved in anti-war politics and was a target of an undercover campaign by the FBI to discredit her because of her association with several members of the Black Panther Party, and she was found dead under mysterious circumstances. So I suppose that bit could be a movie in itself, right? Because it sounds like the, you know, maybe she was killed because of her uh, associations killed by uh, the FBI or some other uh, Hmm. undercover alphabet organization we're not supposed to know about, right? It could have been. I mean, back then there was a lot of like you you know back then was no cameras around and things like that. You yeah. don't know. You can't really right today is there's cameras everywhere, so you you would get an idea of what was going on. You would see outside. They would do all this investigation, 
Right now, yeah. years ago, they couldn't do it. DNA, yeah. all that, they couldn't do it like they do now. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll never know. Also, she it reports she wasn't really proud of doing this movie because she was embarrassed of it because of the lurid subject matter, but she took it for uh, the money. <laughs> well, you know, just like... Just like Betsy Palmer in Friday the 13th. She didn't really oh, yeah. care about the movie. She just wanted to buy a car. So there you go. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I thought she was good in this movie. She was uh, she was creepy, and you're kind of questioning her motives as to what she was doing. And then when she said what she's doing, it was kind of like, I knew you were doing that. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Mark, you got any? Uh, does this? Let me see. So you have seen some Giallos, I know, right? You've seen. You see? Can you name any others that you've seen off the top of your head without looking them up? I, I just, yeah, I, I can't really think of any. Uh, I would have to really uh, go through a list of them because I've watched. Okay, so here, here is one. Here's one to watch, and I'm pretty sure this is on Shutter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deep Red. <clears throat> Deep Red. That is Dario Argento. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we've Jesse and I've talked to you about it. It is on. It has to be on Shutter. Maybe it's not. On. I was just looking it up to see where it is. Um, Could be on uh, Tubi. It's on Shutter. Oh, it is. Yeah, it, it's it's on there. So I think we should watch Deep Red and do a show on that because I know you didn't have a good time with this movie. So uh, yeah. just let me let. Why don't you tell me? Your final thoughts on this movie. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Go ahead. Well, okay. My thoughts on this movie was uh, it, it just, it lost me. Like, I don't know if I can speak for anybody else, but it kind of lost me. The plot kind of got a little hard to follow for me. And I was just watching it going, what is going on here? <laughs> That's what yeah. I was doing. That's that's basically yeah. what it was. Is what's going on here? So, what I want is to watch a really good Giallo and talk to you about it on the show. Okay. So, I think Deep Red is a really really good Giallo. It's a Dario Argento movie, nineteen seventy five, right around the same time as as the uh, Corruption of Chris Miller. Mm-hmm. A couple of years after. Um, what do you say? Yes, I, I watch it. I watch that movie, Deep Red. Right? All right. I'll yeah. So uh, you heard that here? That. Two yeah. two movies uh, Mark and I are going to do. Hawk. <clears throat> Hawk the Slayer and uh, Deep Slayer. Red. We'll do those upcoming we'll do episodes. Those. Um, Mark, thank you for being yeah, it, it will be. This show is really fun. Thank you for being on. 
but Thank yeah, you. I just I don't you. want because because I know you haven't seen as many giallos as Jesse and I, and I don't want you to come away and go, man, giallos suck. That corruption of Chris Miller just wasn't very good. <laughs> well, it's just and it, a movie, and it know? wasn't. It wasn't very good. So uh, we will go and watch a really good giallo. Okay, we'll do that. We'll watch that one. We'll do deep right. red. We'll do deep right. red. Uh, Mark from Toys of Time Gone By. He's got some great stuff happening over there. Go check him out. You've got a YouTube channel, right? I have a YouTube channel. Look in me up. In addition to, yeah, go ahead. My, look me up on my YouTube channel. It's Toys of a Time Gone By. And I do all kind of, uh, I talk about uh, toys. If you are interested in talking about toys, just come over and listen to me talk about toys and reviews and stuff. Yeah, there you go. Um, you can't go wrong there. So uh, I hope you all go check Mark out on Toys of Time Gone By. Thanks for being on again, Mark. Thank you very much for having me. All right. We will talk to you next time. <laughs> Cool. And show. <laughs> it's nice being able to uh, edit this stuff around, isn't it? Well, yeah, you could you could take it take out uh, the parts that you don't want, like the coughing and stuff you want to take out. Yeah, right? so I tried to do long pauses in between the coughing so I could see it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could see the uh, the way. I could see. Be yeah. Like a, a I could see the. The spike there is what I wanted to see. I was trying to look for something, but I, I can't remember what the hell I was looking for. <laughs> what yeah, the that, hell? I just, I, I think that movie deserves like at least a couple of times to be watched because you, you miss, you kind of miss, you know what I mean? You kind of miss things like, oh, this you one? get lost. Yeah, you get lost yeah. in the plot. Well, see, Dave was sitting there, and he says, this is what I think it's going to be. He said he thought that uh, Barney was her brother, like a long-lost brother, and he was coming back to get vengeance for the father. Like, that sounds interesting. <clears throat> and I had done some reading on the movie already in the middle of watching it. I was like, I don't think that's what's going to happen, but that sounds cool. <laughs> so there was just there's just a lot of things that they just did not put together right. But I don't think came together. You know, she's in the bed. She's in the bed. He's ready to go have some relations with her at the end, and then yep. she starts dreaming about the the guy in the friggin' gym uh, going to attack her, and then she decides to stab her, stab it, the guy. Yeah, because she was, she was having um, flashbacks to what happened. But it's like she, she just and she's mental. She, yeah, she even says to her, "You brought me here because it rains too much." <laughs> That's crazy. Like, and the way they were stabbing him. Oh my god, dude! Like I was like, holy shit. It looks like he's getting friggin' stabbed in real life. It's just the way they did that damn stabbing, man. It was like, holy oh, shit. Yeah. It actually oh, yeah. looked like the knife was going penetrating in skin. 
Oh yeah. Um, oh my God, Dave. Yeah. Uh, Dave, you know, he went to school for that. He thought that did look really good. I mean, that's better than that. Looks better than movies that they do today. Yeah, it does. That that, uh, that part itself, like they can't achieve that practicality. You know what I mean? It's like a practical. It's a practical uh, science fiction today. They would have to uh, use CG to to show the stab wounds and stuff. Yep. That's crazy how they did. I can imagine yep. the way they did it too. They just had knives that would uh, uh, contract and come out. You know what I mean? Remember those knives that you would just stab, and it would they would just like con con you know come out and go in. Like a flat, you know, kind yeah, of like yeah. Contract. They probably use like knives like that, that can go in and out easily, and then, then they would add this the they would add the blood, and and then they would do it again, and they would add the blood every time they shot the scene, because I guess shooting the scene, because there was parts they didn't show, like when they were stabbing them, but then there was parts they showed they were stabbing. Yeah. Them. So those were all cut and spliced together. 